Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is June 14th, and yes, we are going to talk about baseball. Luis Severino won 4.2 innings, 5 earned runs, 7 hits, 3 walks, and 4 Ks. Not the Severino you want. It's three straight starts out of disappointment. Now, there are good things and bad things here, surprisingly. The bad, 2 for 39 whiffs on his changeup plus slider. There was a good amount of called strikes on the slider, so that's okay, but it's not really the secondaries that we want to see from Luis Severino at the moment. And of course, the earned runs and everything the last three starts. The good is that the four-seamer improved. This was a, a higher velocity than we saw. It was about normal as opposed to the real like 1.5 ticks down that we've seen. And his command in the top half of the zone was really nice. So I think Severino actually is closer to recovery than this line looks against the Mets. I think we just kind of keep starting him and... Hope it turns around. I think it's going to be a tiara here. But uh, yeah, not a good moment with Luis Severino. I think we just got to keep going forward. Hunter Brown against the Nationals got the win. Seven innings, zero and runs, four hits, three walks, four Ks. This was not the best outing from Hunter Brown. Four seamers and sliders were really meaty. Uh, Curveballs weren't located in the right spot. Just think that it was a Nationals. Um, And Hunter Brown, I mean, he's a young pitcher who is uh, going to go through this a decent amount, and the idea that he's always going to execute the same thing all the time, not going to happen, but be be, uh, grateful that this was against the Nationals and not someone better. Tony Gonsolin against the White Sox got the win, six innings, zero earned runs, two hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. You love to see this from Gonsolin. The four-seamer got a lot of called strikes, the splitter earned whiffs, and also was well located down. I got to give Gonsolin props for this splitter where it's been pretty consistent at the bottom of the zone. Um, And the curve is actually doing more than the slider because one of my biggest criticisms of Gonsolin over the years has been I don't believe in that slider and to see the curve actually be effective is a nice little change there as the sliders become the number four pitch. So we keep going with the Gonsolin. Uh, I I think we can all understand that the ratios are likely not this. He's not going to be a sub one whip with a like a two ERA or something. But cool, you just keep going with the console for now. Uh, George Kirby against the Marlins, six innings, zero runs, three hits, zero walks, and 10 strikeouts for a golden goal with 20 whiffs and 39% CSW. You'll have to see it. His four-seamer and sinker just completely overran the Marlins lineup. Uh, the slider and curve each return strikes 43 to 44% CSW on them. Yeah, this is uh, this is the George Kirby that's supposed to happen against the Marlins. Good stuff there. Jalen Beeks open for Yanni Chirinos, who did 3.2 innings of shutout ball, and I don't really care. Uh, Shintaro Fujinami opened for Hogan Harris, who did 7 innings, 1 and run, 4 hits, 0 walks, and 2 Ks against the Rays. And I do like the fact that it was not just uh, 4 seamers and cutters. He actually incorporated changeups and curveballs this time around. That's good. He can be that Toby, honestly. Um, it's just about consistency of that, of those secondaries and against weak teams. Maybe we're going to include Hogan Harris in the conversation again. We'll see. 
Zach Wheeler against the Diamondbacks, six innings, one earned run, four hits, one walk, seven Ks. Thank you, Zach Wheeler. Just don't go seven for 18 strikes on the sweeper, okay? The fastball is just so good. That's great. And also, the sinker got reduced about, like, I think, five thrown, which is kind of weird because I always talk about Zach Wheeler's sinker being this amazing holy grail of sinkers with, like, a 50% O-swing. He only needed five of them in this one. And I feel like we were supposed to tell that to Aaron Nola, not Zach Wheeler, but whatever. This worked. I'm not going to really criticize him for it. Maybe it's a whole thing about Zach Wheeler not throwing sinkers. Maybe the Phillies as a whole are not going to throw sinkers as much. And that would be cool because Aaron Nola really, really needs to do that. Cody Bradford went 4.1 innings, one earned run, two hits, one walk, and three Ks against the Angels. Yeah, I don't care, honestly. I don't really think he's that good. Um, there was decent... Uh, Pitch separation here from Bradford. I really don't think he does enough. Dean Kramer against the Jays got the win. Six innings, two earned runs, eight hits, zero walks, and six Ks. That's a gold star for Dean Kramer. But you don't really want to lean on Dean Kramer having these outings. Remember, we trusted him against the Brewers and it didn't come through. You don't want to do this. Patrick Corbin against the Astros. Five innings, two earned runs, four hits, five walks, five Ks. Okay. All right. Alex Cobb against the Cardinals. Four innings, two earned runs, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts. The splitter was just 16% CSW, and it's about, you know, it's about that splitter actually being productive. More times than not, it is. He's still a Toby. And honestly, for not having that pitch, five strikeouts and four innings with just two earned runs allowed, you know what? Okay, we're happy that when it wasn't good, it wasn't that terrible. So that's okay. Pablo Lopez against the Brewers, demolished six innings, three and runs, fine, poor quality start, but it was five base runners, nine strikeouts. Uh, the curve was six for 17 whiffs. You like to see that. The changeup wasn't as good as we've seen, but now he gets Detroit twice in a row after this Brewers thing, so we just keep going, of course. Corbin Burns also got the poor quality start, though he had eight base runners in his six innings with three and runs and eight strikeouts. The cutter is so good on the edges, and the secondaries are honestly being very effective. I think he just got a little bit singled out in this. Uh, Corbin Burns is doing good things. Joe Musgrove against the Guardians got the win. Six innings, three earned runs, seven hits, one walk, and five strikeouts. It's not that pretty of a poor quality start. Uh, the curve was fantastic. The slider wasn't. And he gets the raise next. Now, something came out this morning sending his bursitis in his right elbow. He's going to pitch through it. Ugh. He apparently got it while recovering from his toe injury. Things aren't fair in the world of baseball. Uh, I think we're still going to start him against the Rays, but man, that's just annoying. Jameson Tyone got a very poor quality start, or a very near one, six innings, 300 runs. A lot of guys got the poor quality start designation yesterday. Six hits, two walks, four Ks against Pittsburgh Pirates. We get the streaming victory because it was a win as well. He's... Doing better with his secondaries. It was a cutter curve sweeper that each earned 30% plus CSW is at 95 pitches. He's just not quite. I don't know. I don't know if I really trust him as much. The the four seamer is kind of weird at the moment. Uh it feels a lot like he's forcing it as opposed to being locked in. Does that make sense? He's just kind of going to something and hoping it's working as opposed to having that real approach that you feel like, oh yeah, I throw this thing, it's gonna work. Um, so I'm a little hesitant on Tyum at the moment, but I can understand him being a decent stream. Brands, Brandon Williamson, uh, Jaime Berea, Luis Ortiz, but we've got Lance Lynn and Cutter Crawford and many others to talk about. We're going to talk about all of those after this break. <laughs> 
When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Brandon Williamson went five innings, three and runs, seven hits, zero walks, one K. How am I going to butter my bread with this? We're not going to do that. Jaime Berea against Texas. I mean, yeah, he didn't do well. It's against Texas. We move on. Chase Anderson, no. <laughs> I mean, it was three and runs in 4.1 innings. Okay, great. Against Boston in Fenway. Luis Ortiz against the Cubs. A little disappointing because the Cubs have been bad, but Luis Ortiz just couldn't do it. He had a terrible first frame and did his best to recover from that. Uh, 5.1 innings, four and runs, six hits, two walks, four Ks, then allowed another earned run later. Uh, you know, it, it was fine. Like, his slider was in the zone, and that's good. Fastballs were around the zone, too. It really is just that first inning. But I feel as if he just doesn't dominate enough to justify, like, those blow-ups inside of the game. Lance Lynn against the Dodgers. Yeah, that's two straight starts against bad matchups, and what do you know? He didn't do well. So... He could be serviceable against the Mariners. He's still getting four-seamer whiffs. It was like a 20% swing strike rate in this one. Uh, but, yeah, um, Lance Lynn, you can drop in your leagues. It's just very Cherry Bomb-esque. Cutter Crawford against the Rockies. Rocky Road here, 80 pitches. Before innings, forward runs, five hits, three walks, five Ks. And I do worry that everything we've talked about with Cutter Crawford was more so in relief. And it might not translate as well as we want to being uh, a starter across 80 pitches as the velocity was down a tick. And he didn't maintain the same whiffs. It was 14% swing strike rate, but just not 18 to 19%. And the cutter is still an issue with its location. And the slider that I really do like was only thrown four times. So we still monitor this. There's still some excitement about Cutter Crawford. I'm happy he's getting the opportunity with the Red Sox. And hopefully over time, he becomes a thing. Zach Davies against the Phillies, three innings of four and runs. All right, you didn't have the changeup. But now it's the Guardians and the Giants. Do we want to gamble that it's going to happen? Maybe. Jordan Lyles against the Reds. Oh, boy. Five and runs in six innings. Just don't do it. Edward Cabrera uh, went against the, the the Mariners. Five innings, five and runs, four hits, three walks, four Ks. Ten out of 24, four seamer strikes. Yeah, at least he pitched 85 pitches. Um and we were worried about that with the blister issue, but yeah, 10 over 20. You can't do that. You can't do that, Cabrera. Come on. Jack Flaherty against the Giants, 4.1 innings, 6 runs. Ah, oh, 10 hits, 3 walks, 3 Ks. Ah, 7 whiffs, 25% CSW for Flaherty. You know, it was 93 on the fastball, but it was too hittable. Uh, the secondaries were not well located. He does get the Nationals next, and I think we still go with that. Um,. You know, it wasn't a fun time, and hopefully it will be a fun time in the future. 
Uh, Chris Bassett got rocked for eight earned runs, 11 hits, one walk. I mean, I told you to start Bassett and not think about it. And now he gets the Rangers and you're going to worry about it. I get it. I'm going to start Bassett, Bassett against the Rangers. I feel like he got singled out. I feel like it was just one of those days. You just It's going to happen. Max Scherzer, same thing. One night bland against the Yankees. Six earned runs in 3.1 innings. You really can't stop it. Like, it's too bad that you're pot committed here. Um, Scherzer didn't really have too many alarm bells either. It just didn't work out. Okay. Then there's Tanner Bybee. Four innings, eight earned, sorry, six earned runs, eight hits, two walks, and three Ks against the Padres. Now, the Padres are a really good offense, so fine. But Bybee has four pitches that I, I think my whole narrative or the whole story in my head of Tanner Bybee as he has four pitches, a four-seamer that if he elevates it, he does well. A really good slider that is everything for him. A curveball that he should be able to get for strikes. And then a changeup that should be a really good pitch and has been at times. Thing is, the curveball and the changeup have not been consistent. The four-seamer has not been elevated as much as you want. And the slider has really pulled everything together. All four of the pitches were not there in this one. And I think my understanding of Bybee and my excitement is that, oh my gosh, the potential is really good because he has these four pitches that they all come together. This is insane. But the consistency hasn't been there, which we normally don't see from rookies. I'm there for Bobby Miller. Um, but uh, but Bybee, I think, has been a little bit more uh, fluid or oscillated a lot more. So it makes me, as a fantasy manager, think, can I really buy into Bybee for this season? As he really hasn't gotten into that rhythm of just, bam, here I am. I've got these things working. Now, this was the Padres, and I may be too harsh on this because really he hasn't had any blowups this year. This was the first game over four and runs, and he's just had one of those outside of this one. So I think we just keep going with Bybee. Um, but I mean, I saw a lot of questions in chat today about like, hey, do I go with Tanner Bybee or go with Garrett Whitlock? I believe in Garrett Whitlock more because I actually think that the start we saw against the Yankees is really who he is. And maybe I'm overreacting to one start from Whitlock, but that's actually what we envisioned entering the season. And I feel like Whitlock has more of a uh, command focus than Bybee does. So it's tough. I think in 12-teamers, you generally won't find something that better than Bybee out there. And the idea that Bybee's your worst pitcher and like there's something better than that on the wire, I don't know if that's there. And this was, again, the Padres. The Padres are a very good team. So I think we got to hold on to Bybee. But um, I am more contentious with my ranking of Bybee than I have been before. Um... And Twitch is reminding me here, Bassett did allow three home runs, so me saying singled out isn't quite it, but also 11 hits, so there would have been eight hits separate from the home run, three home runs. But yeah, I mean, you can make a case like, hey, three home runs, that's wild. Uh, Bassett shouldn't be doing that. Okay, I looking forward to today and tomorrow's games. Today we do have some changes because of the doubleheader. We didn't have the Braves and Tigers, so they're having a doubleheader today, which means that Spencer Strider is the number one play above Luis Castillo, Garrett Cole, Clint Kershaw, Tyler Glasnow, Framber Valdez, and Justin Verlander. In the probable start tier, you have Michael Waka, such a good run, seven straight starts against the Guardians, Bailey Ober against the Brewers, and Garrett Whitlock is still sub-20% roster, which is blowing my mind. Go get him. He gets Rocky Road. It's a really good schedule. It's like the clear ad. It was, like, it was Braxton Garrett before. Now it's Garrett Whitlock. There are some of these guys that sometimes I'm just, you know, I have my streaming chart and uh, that I say like when it's really easy to stream and to add guys and generally in June, that's when we see this. Garrett Whitlock and Braxton Garrett are the ones that we've circled. That's like, go, go get them. And now he gets uh, Rocky Road. This is going to be, I think, a really good start for him. Yuri Perez is going against Luis Castillo, but I think uh, the Trevor Rogers news, by the way, is that he's delayed. And there was worry on the list that Yuri Perez 
is going to get demoted in like a week or so. And it might just have been delayed now by a couple more weeks, which is kind of nice for Yuri Perez. And he goes against Seattle. I like that one. I think that Yuri Perez has a really nice uh, set of tools. I just hope that his command is a little more polished on the fringe. Like it's a little jagged is what I describe it, where there are a few too many mistake pitches, but it's not, it's like almost effectively wild, but not quite wild side. Like uh, when he isn't throwing a big waste pitch or like a mistake pitch that is outside the zone, it's actually pretty good inside the zone. Does that make sense? I hope it does. Jose Brios uh, is not throwing his four-seamer. You know this by now. He goes against Baltimore in Camden. I like that. And Merrill Kelly, I know he didn't do well last time against the Phillies, but you have to buy that he's going to recover considering how good he's been this year. Questionable start tiers, Jordan Montgomery as a Toby against the Giants, Drew Smiley against the Pirates, Ranger Suarez against the, the Diamondbacks, and there's a temptation to me to put Ranger Suarez above Jordan Montgomery, but the Diamondbacks scare me a little bit. Um, and the bottom two are definitely lower, as I mentioned yesterday. A- Andrew Heaney against the Angels is very much of a cherry bomb situation, while Anthony Escafani hasn't been as good with his command against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals have been so uh, bad, so okay. Do not start here has a lot. So we got Aaron Savali and Reed Detmers and Ben Lively. Detmers gets the Rangers, so okay. Colin Ray could make it work against the Twins. Reese Olsen is going today instead of yesterday. He goes against Atlanta. Maybe that does work. I kind of like him more than Michael Lorenzen, actually, because I think that what Reese Olsen brings to the table is more than Lorenzen. But Lorenzen has the stuff that allows him to take down bad teams. But against good teams, I don't think he can get away with it, while Reese Olsen at least has more flashes of brilliance that would allow him to take down Atlanta. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I've said that twice already. Mike Clevenger against the Dodgers. Not fun for me. Kyle Bradish against the Jays. As I mentioned, Michael Lorenzen. Dylan Dodd has a chance here against the Tigers, but it's very risky. Uh, Daniel Lynch against the Reds. No, thank you. Josiah Gray against the Astros. No, thank you. Luis Medina against the Rays. Austin Gomber against the Red Sox. And Osvaldo Baido against the Cubs. We just wait and see for that. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow's games. Christian Javier, surprisingly, is the number one despite not having his slider for strikes in the last five games. But it's against the Nationals. It's the clearest combination of good matchup and top 15 pitcher. Uh, you have Yu Darvish against the Guardians. Sure, it's the Guardians. Shohei Otani gets the Rangers, and that's a little bit scary. Uh, Aaron Nola against the Diamondbacks. Please just stop throwing sinkers. Nathan Nivaldi gets the Angels. He just stumbled last time. But then you also have like Marcus Stroman against the Pirates. And I was actually even tempted to put him above even Shoei Otani because that just seems like such a nice, easy day at the park. But Stroman did not have his sinker last time. So we'll see. Sonny Gray against the Tigers. Uh, he looked a lot better last time. It's the Tigers. And Tosh Bradley gets the Oakland Athletics. There is some command questions there. But as long as he throws enough strikes, he should be good against Oakland. Then again, they've won seven straight and they reversed boycott. It was pretty dang cool. Probable start tier, Tyler Wells and Dylan Cease could be at the bottom of this one. While you have Rich Hill and AJ Smith-Shaver against good matchups. So, like, you have Wells against the Jays and Cease against the Dodgers. Bad matchups, guys that I liked, right? Uh, Cease is not quite there with the slider, but everything else is okay. And Wells against the Jays feels... um, It feels weird because Wells is doing so well, but the Jays are scary. Well, then you have Rich Hill going against the Cubs, and that is a my stream pick of the day against a weak offense. You have Smith Shaver against Rocky Road, and Rocky Road should be okay for Smith Shaver. I don't like the command I saw, but if really I'm going to treat it like an MLB debut, his first start ever as a 20 year old. I hope that's a little bit better, as the Rockies on the road are not very good. Justin Mason makes a really interesting point about how many games the Rockies have been on the road and they get better, more removed from cores. Uh, we'll see how Smith Schauber performs here. 
Yusei Kikuchi is also attempting stream and almost put him in probable start as it's been two starts now of curveballs and sliders inside the zone while the fastballs kind of helped around it. And he goes into Baltimore. I don't really love it because Kikuchi's whole story has been inconsistent over the years. And Baltimore just messed up Chris Bassett. So I'm going to be a little bit more conservative there. And Logan Allen against the Padres is a really tough one. That's a real true questionable one because the Padres have been good. And if Logan Allen does have his slider down and away to lefties, then okay. But we'll see here. Do not start here. Mackenzie Gore is just too volatile for me against the Astros, even without Jordan Alvarez. Michael Grove can be interesting as the White Sox are really bad against uh, breaking balls from right-handed pitchers. Grove has a fantastic slider. It's just a matter of can you get that four-seamer out of the low locations. Just get it in the upper half and you'll be great. Uh, and also, five innings should be there for Grove. Kyle Freeland against Atlanta. Do whatever you want. It's it's Freeland. It's Atlanta. Paul Blackburn against the Rays. Matthew Boyd against the Twins should actually look like a good matchup because Buxton is out and the Twins aren't really a good offense. But Matthew Boyd does not have the slider whiffs, does not have consistency with the fastball. I think it's just too not enough for me. And Ryan Nelson doesn't have a secondaries and gets a dangerous Phillies lineup. All right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for rating and review this podcast, as always. But that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock, and may your bounce be low and your strikeout high.